This is the Guarantee Sports Corner podcast number two, live from St. George, Utah. How are all of you people doing today on this gorgeous, gorgeous Thursday morning? Man, I love this time of the year. NBA's in full swing. The NFL waiting for the Super Bowl in about a week, about nine days now, ten days. Uh, and college basketball making some headlines. I don't know if any of you guys have heard about that brawl between Kansas and Kansas State, but one of those players picking up the chair, and he didn't hit anybody with the chair, thank goodness. But the whole brawl, and, and you know, I saw different angles from the brawl, and I said, wow, that actually happened. They actually let – I mean, I know they didn't let it happen, but it actually happened in a collegiate game. And there was there was all kinds of fights going around, and it, it was bad. It, it was not a good look for the NCAA. And but but I mean the fans they loved it, even though it was a bad look for them for the NCAA. The fans seemed to really have taken, you know, a lot from that. And there was a lot of people talking about it, and a lot of players got suspended, including one player. I think he did get suspended for the rest of the season. The guy who. Uh, picked up the chair. I don't know his name, but picked up a chair in the middle of the brawl. And there's pictures of him holding it over his head. Uh, he didn't hit anybody with it, but still, I mean, that player alone got suspended for the remainder of the regular season. So crazy shenanigans uh, from all around the world of sports. And I want to say something real quick. I know the Pro Bowl is this weekend, and I know the Pro Bowl has really lost its popularity, I, I would say, within the last five years. Um, but and I and I know the Pro Bowl has been after the Super Bowl for a few years now, and I just want to say something real quick about about the Pro Bowl being before the Super Bowl. Having the Pro Bowl before the Super Bowl is, I think, it's flat out ridiculous. I mean, I understand the NFL wants their All Star Game to be the last game of the season. You know, it closes out the season. They they want. The, uh, they just want the All-Star game to be the last one of the year. And so I get that part. It's all marketing. I understand that. But having it before, everyone obviously knows the teams who are in the Super Bowl won't be playing in the Pro Bowl. And usually those players who are in the Super Bowl are players who were the top voters in the Pro Bowl. So the best players voted into the Pro Bowl are unable to play in the Pro Bowl because they're in the Super Bowl. And obviously to avoid any injuries, anything like that, I, I get it. But from a fan's perspective, from someone who doesn't work for the NFL, why? What, what does this do for me as, as, a, as a fan? I mean, I've gone to many Pro Bowls in my life. Yes, and it's, it's kind of a joke, the game itself. But it's still a fun experience for the fans. You know, players sign memorabilia. They do activities like dodgeball. They have all kinds of activities going on around the stadium. I mean, growing up as a kid, I mean, that that was what the Pro Bowl was all about. And especially, you know, growing up in a place like Hawaii where we didn't have professional football there. And so we only had that one game a year where NFL players would come out. The best of the best would come out. And, and you know, they would do that kind of stuff for the kids. And, you know, that's that's what it's all about. And I've gotten some signatures from some players over the years. Uh, I think I've gotten I've gotten um, Dwight Freeney's. I've gotten Victor Cruz. I even got Robert Mathis his gloves that he wore in the game. So 
I, I, I get it that the Pro Bowl is losing its popularity. But what fun is it for me as an NFL fan to have to watch Ryan Tannehill in the Pro Bowl instead of Patrick Mahomes? I mean, the, this idea the NFL has invented to get viewers for a dying event is just ridiculous. I mean, and I've also never agreed when they decided to have the, the legends pick their two teams and not have AFC versus NFC for a few years. I believe they like uh, Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders go up against each other and a few other uh, NFL legends out there who were able to be captains and, and basically be the lead of their team. But anyway, like I, I didn't necessarily agree with that. I, I didn't like that. I think they should have kept the AFC versus the NFC. Um, it, it's just the tradition. It, it's always been the tradition every year to have the AFC All-Stars and the NFC All-Stars. I mean, it can go back as far as I remember. And, and I get it. The NFL is all about making money. And it's a business, but I mean, why, why change? I mean, yes, the ratings are going down, but that's because also the league is getting more safer and you know, it's all about player safety today. And if you can't, I mean, you can't blitz in the pro bowl. They've now even taken away kickoffs from the pro bowl. I mean, if you take away those aspects of the game, those parts of the game that, you know, are, are, are the big play game or the big play uh, plays, then, Obviously, you're going to lose some fans. You're going to get guys who aren't trying as hard. And, and you know, it's just it's not good for the sport. And I get it. Nobody wants to get hurt during the Pro Bowl. I completely understand. It's not like the baseball all-star game or the NBA all-star game. Where, I mean, you still can, you know, get a, a few bruises. And you possibly could get hurt in that game. And nobody wants to get hurt in an all-star game. So I understand that side of it. But for it to be after, or I'm sorry, for it to be before the Super Bowl, it, it's just flat out. It blasphemy. That, that's the only thing that I can even come up with. It's just blasphemy to have it before because now we're missing out on we're missing out on ten players who are in the Super Bowl, six from the Chiefs, four from the 49ers, and we're missing out on those ten players. Now I know, you know, the Super Bowl is obviously going to make the NFL a lot more money than the Pro Bowl will, but we want to see the players that we voted in in the Pro Bowl. I mean, and and I don't know exactly why. They changed it the way it was when it was the Super Bowl first, then the Pro Bowl. You know, I just remember being at the Pro Bowl when it was after the Super Bowl, and, and we got to see the Super Bowl champs at the Pro Bowl. Now, that's that's what I want to see. And I even remember when the Giants, I think it was their second Super Bowl when they won, when they won the Super Bowl uh, in 2011, you know, they had like nine or ten uh, All-Stars on that team. And so it was like... Now we get to actually see the best players that we voted for, not not people who are, and no disrespect to Ryan Tannehill, but the guy didn't even start the whole season. And and he's the fourth most voted quarterback in the AFC. I mean, we're, we're going to have Ryan Tannehill instead of Patrick Mahomes. Now, that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. And I, I'm, it's probably not going to be a big difference for a lot of the fans to not see Mahomes in the Pro Bowl since a lot of people don't even watch the Pro Bowl anymore. It's not what it used to be. But someone should start a petition to say, make it after the Super Bowl again. So that way we can get the Super Bowl players back in the Pro Bowl. I mean, like I said, we'll be missing out on 10 players because of the Super Bowl. And while the players that are going for them, I mean, they sure aren't the best players in the league after them. I mean, it's all a popularity contest. 
So I don't agree with it being after. I know it's this weekend, and I don't even have an opinion or a, a guess on what the game score might be because you never know. You never know in the Pro Bowl, but they need to make it after the Super Bowl again, and they need to go back to that. Uh, so also earlier this week, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was in the highlights, and he is he was one vote away from being a unanimous Hall of Fame electee in this year's Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Only him and Larry Walker were able to get enough votes this year, and this was Jeter's first year on the ballot since retiring. And Larry Walker, this was his final year on the ballot. Kurt Schilling missed it at 70% this year. But let's talk about Derek Jeter for a second. And, and, and let's not dwell on him missing out on a unanimous Hall of Fame, you know, only one player has done that, and that was last year with uh, Mariano Rivera, who, who did it. And Jeter batted 310 over his 20-year career, hit 260 home runs, had 3,400 hits, and 1,300 RBIs. I mean, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty damn good career. I'm sure if you asked any player today, they'd be absolutely okay with, with being the pretty much the face of the Yankees for majority of his career. I mean, I'm pretty sure anybody would take that any day. He was considered the leader of the most historic franchise, the captain, and he did it the right way. I mean, anybody who knows baseball and knows how you know much respect goes on in that sport, I mean, Derek Jeter just did it the right way. Uh, Jeter was drafted sixth in the 1992 amateur draft when he was only 18 years old. Uh, the players that were drafted before him, I looked this up, and <laughs> it, was, it was beyond me because I hadn't even heard of any of these players. But Phil Nevin... Paul Shuey, B.J. Wallace, Jeffrey Hammonds, and Chad Motola. But Jeter was known for his de defense and his leadership. He perfected that backhand toss from short to second. We all know about his uh, backhand flip against the A's in the playoffs. I mean, that's one of his career highlights. Uh, and even his final at-bat was a walk-off hit. So he just did everything right. Uh, he's up there with Kobe Bryant and Peyton Manning. I mean, for those of you that remember the early 2000s, those three were the icons of the big three sports in the early 2000s. And any sports magazine you picked up back then, it had one of those players on it. And, and Jeter was also, he was also the only active player during his time with the Yankees to have a single number jersey for the Yankees. Because every other single digit jersey for the Yankees was retired except for Jeter's number. Uh, but yeah, I think it was well deserving. I think he had a. I think he had the ultimate career. He won four World Series with the Yankees. He won seven AL pennants with them. I mean, made the division divisional round thirteen times or sixteen times in his career. And you know, he which also included a three-peat in the late nineties, and they almost won a fourth straight. So, congratulations on a legendary career. I don't feel like it was. Undeserving Derek Jeremy. He he, I think it was 296 out of 297, or maybe it was 306 out of 307, whatever it was. He missed one vote out of all those votes to become unanimous. And I don't think that should be knocked on knocked on him in any way possible. The guy was the guy was a legend. And you know, it's it's good to see him in the Hall of Fame. And you know, maybe we will see Kurt Schilling next year. I mean, he was at 70%. You got to get 75%. And Kurt Schilling made a big jump from last year to this year. Uh, and also, 
I know Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, all those guys, they didn't improve much from last year to this year, and I don't think they should get in at all because of the whole steroids thing. And, I mean, that's a topic for for another show, another podcast. But, I mean, congratulations to Derek Jeter, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer in this year's baseball draft. Eli Manning is also in the headlines this week. That's right. Eli Manning, the 16-year veteran, has finally decided to call it quits. That's right. The two-time Super Bowl champion Eli Manning is retiring. Uh, Eli announced earlier this week that he will hold a press conference Friday that he will no longer be playing in the NFL. And honestly, that's kind of hard for my head to wrap around. It's hard for me to, to come to realize that the last Manning, for now, that the last Manning is, is done. Uh, Eli finished with 366 touchdowns, over 57,000 passing yards, and finished with an even 117 and 117 record. If I want to be honest with you, I could have seen this coming. Uh, you know, after being benched earlier this year for Daniel Jones, uh, as a fan, you could kind of get a sense that this might be the last time we see Eli Manning in an NFL jersey. The big question that everyone is throwing around is, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Now, I have seen many reasons as to why he should be and many reasons why he shouldn't be. And, you know, I'm kind of borderline about this topic. I could go either way, and I can make an argument for either side. But if you sit down, you really think about it, and, and not just about his impact when he was with the Giants, but think about the Giants before he even got there. You know, besides Tiki Barber and maybe Imani Toomer, is there anybody on the Giants, and, and since Phil Sims, is there anybody from the Giants organization that you, that you can remember made that impact in the late 90s and, and until, you know, Eli Manning came aboard? Not really. I mean, the Giants were irrelevant. They, they, they were seriously irrelevant from the last time they won the Super Bowl in 1991 until Eli Manning got drafted in 2004. They had five winning seasons in 17 years. Five winning seasons in 17 years, and that's not very good. Eli Manning most certainly made them relevant. You know, call me crazy, but he made the Giants relevant. But he also had some terrible seasons. He's led the league in interceptions. He, his completion percentage has never been, you know, outstanding. But, you know, I ultimately think he will get in because he is a Manning. And I know that sounds like he doesn't even deserve to be considered to be in the Hall of Fame. But I think that's what it will get down to. You know, he isn't a first ballot Hall of Famer by any means. Uh, but, you know, he will get in at some point later on down the road. Um, you know, and, and I think you can make your argument just because he has those two Super Bowl rings, both against Tom Brady. I mean, I think that right then he won the MVP in both of those Super Bowls. So I, I think he has the resume for it. I think if you take away those two Super Bowls, I don't think he gets in at all. Uh, but I believe there was only like nine or 10 Super Bowl or nine or 10 quarterbacks that have won multiple Super Bowls throughout their career. So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot on the table for him to be considered for a Hall of Famer. Now, I know he had a ton of expectations uh, coming into the league because his older brother was Peyton Manning, because Peyton Manning was already, you know, a profound passer 
in the NFL. He's one of the best already when Eli Manning came into the league. And so everybody thought Eli Manning was going to be the same thing as Peyton Manning. But, I mean, if you look at it, Eli Manning's stats weren't nearly as good in college as they were for Peyton Manning. Now, I know he was the best quarterback in that draft class um, coming out of college. I mean, he was better than Phillip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger coming out of college. Now, I think Big Ben has kind of solidified himself as that best quarterback uh, in that draft class. Uh, he's also got the two rings. He's got more wins. He's got more touchdowns. I mean, he's got he's got the yard. He's got it all. But coming out of college, Eli Manning was the, the best quarterback coming into the draft. And so, you know, is he a Hall of Famer? You know, if you were to ask me that straight up, I would probably have to say yes. Uh, he, he definitely is a Hall of Famer. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm going to get that off the record. Uh, off my chest. He, he is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, if we're considering Tony Romo to even be a Hall of Famer, because Tony Romo is the all-time leader in Cowboys history for yards, wins, and touchdowns. I mean, that's even better than what Troy Aikman did, but Troy Aikman got three Super Bowls. Tony Romo's never been to one. So, I mean, there's always going to be this question up in the air. Is this person, is this player deserving of the Hall of Fame because of his uh, postseason achievements or for his regular season achievements. I mean, if you take out Eli Manning's two Super Bowl runs, his stats aren't very good. His record in the playoffs, very bad. And it's just not, it's not lovable on paper when you look at it. But he did win those two Super Bowls. He knocked off the undefeated Patriots in the 2007-2008 season. Now, you can make your argument saying, oh, it was the defense that the Giants had that year that really made the difference in that Super Bowl. And you can say that all you want. But Eli Manning probably made one of the best plays, I think. I think it's the greatest play to ever happen in Super Bowl history when he escaped all that traffic inside the pocket and then launches it downfield to David Tyree. And he holds on to his helmet. And, and you know, I watched that a hundred times and I still can't believe that that was even a catch, that he even caught that. And so right there, you know, that that told me, it was like, okay, this, this kid is for real. And there was a lot of downs in Eli Manning's career. There was a lot of downs. But because of those two Super Bowl wins, I think you can say that Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Um, there's no question about Peyton being a Hall of Famer. He's the first ballot. But for Eli Manning... You know, especially after the last couple of years, they haven't made the playoffs since that whole thing happened in Miami in 2016 where they all took a picture on the yacht. And it's just been bad news for the Giants ever since. And, you know, you look at the Giants' struggles over the last recent years, those teams have been pretty bad. Now, I know they got Saquon Barkley now. He's, he's a nice piece uh, going in the right direction for that team. But you look at before Saquon even arrived, and, they, and you know they had Odell for a couple of years. They made the playoffs with him once or twice. But for the most part, the Giants have been pretty bad. Uh, they've been kind of the laughingstock of the league, really. And I don't really think it's Eli Manning's fault. Now, I get it if, you, if, you're, you know, if you're a legendary quarterback, you work with whatever is given you. But there comes to a certain point where if your team is that bad, there's really nothing that you can do about it. And so I think that was the case for Eli Manning, especially over the last few years where they haven't even had a winning season. 
So it was nice to see Eli Manning ball out in his last performance and, and you know, get a win for the Giants. You know, that was – I felt that was a special performance from him. Uh, but overall, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. And he will be announcing it tomorrow in a press conference. And and on a side note, the 2020 NFL season will be the first season without a Manning in 22 years, since 1998. That's – uh. It's a new era. It's definitely a new era. So congratulations on a good NFL career. And uh, we'll see what else Eli Manning maybe has for us in his post-football life. Who knows? Maybe he'll get into coaching before Peyton will. Zion Williamson. You guys remember him? Zion Williamson, the Duke phenomenon freshman from last year. Yeah, we haven't really heard anything about him. He was hurt. He was hurt all season long. He had knee surgery back in October, and uh, last night was his first night or first game of his career. He was the first pick in the NBA draft, and there's all these expectations for him. Gets hurt and has to sit out. And last night, we finally got a taste to see of what Zion Williamson can bring to the table. The, and, you know, I was watching the game last night, and I've never tuned in to an NBA Wednesday night game. I just have not. I have never done it before. And the first court, the first three quarters of the game were not really exciting, in my opinion. And my first thoughts on him, he's a big kid. This dude's massive. And he looked kind of slow out there at first. And it even looked to me as if he was limping a little bit. And, you know, and it, it maybe because he's not 100%, but... Then the fourth quarter came. You know, he had five points going into the fourth quarter. And that's when he took over the game. He had 17 straight points in the fourth quarter. Think about that for a second. 17 straight points in the fourth quarter. Four for four from the three-point line. And he finished with 22 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. And let's just get the cat out of the bag. Zion will be a superstar in this league with years to come. Yeah, he looked physically slow, but he's coming off of a knee surgery. He only played 18 minutes, but this is just the beginning of what could be the next big NBA superstar. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. You know, the first three quarters sucked. They sucked. He had five points in three quarters. I said, what am I even watching? You know, everyone on Twitter was saying this is a dud for our first career game for Zion. It was a dud. It, it was a bad game. It was overhyped. And there was all kinds of things going on Twitter talking about this. But then he worked with what the defense gave him. And not every player can do that. Greg Popovich has known, much like Belichick, to take away your strengths and go with your weaknesses. And Zion's weakness, shooting. Everyone knows he can throw it down in the paint. Everyone knows that he can pretty much post up almost anybody in the NBA. But what we don't really know is can the guy shoot? And now I, I know it's only one game. But if you go four for four in your very first game from beyond the three and you're not a shooter, what does that say? What, what does that tell everybody else? That he's for real. He's definitely for real. 
and ultimately, he put his team in a position to win that game. I mean, he had his fourth three of the night to go up 107-106 with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter. What more can you ask for from a guy who just came off of knee surgery and the number one pick in the draft? No one's expecting that. I mean, there was a lot of people out there who were expecting Zion to put up 25-12. and You know, maybe that could have been the case if he played a whole 35 minutes. But on a minutes restriction, there is no way that he could have done that. But he almost did. Went 22-7 and in 18 minutes. I mean, now I know the defense wasn't that great. You know, watching the game, it it was almost like the Spurs were a little sluggish. But I'm never a believer in a team letting another person thrive or do well against them. I am not a fan of that. And there's always these conspiracy theories. There's always going to be people saying, oh, well, the Spurs let him do that. No, they didn't. They didn't let him go four for four from beyond the arc. They didn't let him take the lead with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. This dude is a baller. Let me get that straight. He is a baller. I mean, I remember two years ago when he was still in high school making national headlines, and everyone's trying to compare him to, yet again, LeBron James. You know, comparing he's the next great one. He's the next face of the NBA. You know, but he didn't even look 100% out there last night. And this is what he did. A 20-year-old kid with the whole world watching him, and he came through. You know, and I think his performance last night gave everyone a taste of what he's able to do. He'll get back into basketball shape. You know, it's going to take a couple months. I mean, he didn't play basketball for three and a half, four months. I mean, basketball shape, maybe besides soccer shape, is one of the hardest to get back into. Once you stop playing, it's very hard to get back into that shape. And when he does get back into that basketball shape, oh man, that will be fun to watch. But I think some things that Zion needs to do first, and I think everybody is aware of this, uh, I think he he needs to cut down on weight. He's too big. He's only 6'7", 6'8". He's weighing 285. If he can get back down to 260, 260 265, and, and you know, be like LeBron James, and I mean, we, we could possibly see a guy who can almost average 30 a night. And I know that sounds insane for me to even think about. But if you bring Zion Williams down 20, 25 pounds, and you get him to be quicker, you get him to be faster, you get his reflexes to be quicker. I mean, I I can't see why not. I mean, his IQ is unlike anything else out of a rookie. I mean, Zion Williamson is huge for basketball. I don't know what the ratings were last night for ESPN. I don't know what they were. But for an NBA Wednesday night game, That was probably the highest-rated game of the season because of one player. You don't think the NBA likes that? You don't think the NBA likes having Wednesday night games have the best ratings of the season? They do. They're all about the money. They're all about it. 
in Zion, if he's going to bring millions of dollars to the NBA, then I guess maybe this hype for Zion, this wait that we have been waiting for for three months, it was worth it. It was definitely, definitely worth it. But, you know, he puts up 22-7 and seven in his first game. Now, you know, I, I really wanted to see him have a dunk, a really high-flying dunk. But, I mean, he, he we just didn't have that. And, you know, that the player that we saw last night was not Zion Williamson. That's not the Zion Williamson that we all saw at Duke last year. It just wasn't. If you watched Zion Williamson and, and, and you study him and you watched him how he played and how he maneuvered, and how he facilitated last year, you would see that this wasn't the Zion that we all knew. You know, and and even when he first started that first quarter, and you can even say the second quarter, he looked out of place a little bit. And, you know, that's not a knock on him. It was his first real NBA game. You're going to make mistakes. You know, he had five turnovers as well. It's going to happen. So I hope he takes this. And he learns from it, and he improves his game, which I don't, I don't, there's not a doubt in my mind that he won't be able to do that. I mean, Zion is a freak of nature. The kid's 20 years old, he's 6'8, weighs 280, but the guy's a freak. I mean, I don't think we really realize how big he actually He's the third heaviest player in the NBA, and he's 20 years old. I mean, the guy is a monster. So last night was a great performance from Zion Williamson. I think he will go on to have a illustrious career if he doesn't have any more significant injuries. I mean, if that knee continues to be a problem for the rest of his career, then maybe we won't see the Zion Williamson that we all knew. But if Zion Williamson does become this huge NBA superstar like we all believe he's going to be, Man, is the West going to be something special to watch over the next few years with Luka Doncic, you know, on the rise. And you can even make your case for the Jazz with Donovan Mitchell. You know, he's a young superstar in the making. And now you get Zion Williamson. I mean, you think about all the big names from over the years. They all have something in common. They all have one name. Simple, quick to the point. Kobe. Michael. LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Bird. You know, they all have that one name factor. That's something that it, it makes them above everybody else. It, it makes them feel, not makes them feel special, but it makes them come off legendary. You know, it's like a logo. It's like a slogan, one word. And for Zion, it's Zion. And for the next 15 years, granted if he never gets injured, Zion Williamson will be the next big NBA superstar. And last night was just a taste of what his career is going to be. That's it. That's going to be the end of podcast number two. Don't forget to follow me on YouTube and SoundCloud uh, as well as Anchor. I've decided to uh, make an Anchor account so I can upload my podcast over there. So if you know anybody who is interested or even if you want to help me spread the word you're more than welcome to so anchor soundcloud and youtube Uh, my youtube channel is james217 
and my SoundCloud is uh, JDG217. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next Tuesday, and uh, we'll talk about a little bit about the Pro Bowl and uh, you know Super Bowl preview coming up next week. So thanks, guys. We'll see you on Tuesday. Aloha.